1: We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, interesting things happen when a mall pilot attempts a night landing with no runway lights. Strap in with Douglas Gilson in Almost Home from the October 2015 issue of AOPA Pilot Magazine. After a day in Seattle, I looked forward to the flight home with cheerful anticipation. Liftoff from Boeing Field King County International Airport towards Skagit Regional Airport occurred as dusk faded. Climbing out over Elliott Bay, I left downtown skyscrapers and the Space Needle behind. A veil of thin cirrus obscured the stars, but a carpet of lights twinkled below as I leveled off for the familiar 45-minute flight north. Mall 3118 Charlie, Payne Tower. Company Heavy on a six mile final 1 6. Transition approved west of the field. From 2,800 feet and out over the water, halogen halos lit Boeing's huge assembly plant, its packed parking lots witness to 747 and Dreamliner production lines in full swing. Clearing Payne's Class Delta, I hailed Whidbey Approach and picked up my squawk to transit the Naval Air Station's Class C Hornet's Nest. Ten miles south of Skagit, Mall 18 Charlie, Whidbey Approach, radar services terminated, squawk VFR, frequency change approved, filled my headset. Replying 18 Charlie, squawk VFR, goodnight and thanks for your help, I flopped over to Skagit CTAF. An aircraft reported left base, intending a stop-and-go on runway 29er. I radioed Skagit traffic, Mall 18 Charlie, 8 miles south, inbound for a 45 entry, left traffic, 29er, Skagit traffic. Flying their crosswind, the aircraft reported visual on me. In a brief sidebar and with palpable excitement in her voice, the pilot mentioned that she was a newly minted private out of Arlington for her first celebratory night mission. During my downwind, she called her departure to the south. Below, lights outlined familiar Skaggett runways as I completed my pre-landing checklist, heard wind calm on the AWOS, turned base, and replied, Good flight, pilot. Congratulations, 1-8-Charlie. Turning final on my home port produced a comfortable thrill. The air felt solid and still. Pitch-dark night absorbed light like a sponge, save for runway 29ers welcome path electing a three-point on the runway aim points i pulled full flaps stabilized and trimmed at 50 knots over the threshold my mall was configured for a textbook touchdown 12 feet 10 feet straddling the center line blackout Mile-long niners aim points are the standard 1,000 feet from the threshold. I saw 4,000 feet of runway lights extinguish. The telescopic visual illusion produced by that perspective V induced a vertigo swoon. Phantom images swirled. Together, these effects produced a reflective, mentally uncommanded pull on the yoke as night blindness swallowed visual reference." Landing in the backcountry, I don't normally add much nose up trim and rarely pull full flaps, preferring to eliminate these adverse factors from any go around. Almost home and in my comfort zone, this familiar approach was stabilized with full flaps and all necessary nose up trim. Blind behind swoon stars, high and near the stall, my trained in response produced twin pushes, yoke and throttle. Too late. That jerk on the yoke deep in the backside of the power curve, application of full power coupled to significant nose-up trim, and a three-point landing attitude all compounded into too many contrary conditions to sustain flight. The tail wheel hit first as the wings let go. Leverage smacked the mains onto the runway with a spine-shuddering jolt. Them all bounced into the darkness, pitched up with what my disoriented senses reported as a sheer vertical leap. Under the influence of full flaps, full power, and full nose-up trim, forward push required enormous force. Suddenly light in the butt, I sensed the top of an impending pilot-induced oscillation. One or two times a month, I intentionally practice go-arounds, stalls, and canyon turns, often adding in a short, steep approach, following a short and soft field takeoff, all useful tools to fly the glorious but often challenging geography of the Pacific Northwest. I'm not instrument-rated, but I also train for inadvertent flight into IMC. That night, while not meteorological, conditions qualified as both inadvertent and instrument. Inside, Phantom's blurred analog panel dials, Under my self-induced hood, this go-around-for-real proceeded as practiced. Stabilize pitch, maintain runway heading, establish a positive rate of climb, clean up flaps, and trim. After a straight-out VY climb to 1,500 feet, I turned out north over the farm fields of the Skagit Delta. The flashlight came out of the door pocket for an inspection of gear and wings. What was in view looked okay and a flight control check felt positive and smooth. After a few minutes level at 1,500 feet sorting out self and aircraft, body, eyes, and airplane seemed enough in order to reverse course. Crossing midfield to enter the downwind, seven CTAF clicks illuminated runway 29er's lights, and the ensuing landing featured an uneventful return to the comfort and safety of the Earth. In retrospect, familiarity and complacency clouded situational awareness. Runways were illuminated, but I failed to act on my own behalf. A second omission is that airport lighting was not then on my pre-landing checklist. It's there now, refreshed by the illuminating discussion. Pilot Control of Airport Lighting, FAR AIM 2-1-9. Among other things, Table 2-1-2b states all lighting is illuminated for a period of 15 minutes from the most recent time of activation. Failure to reactivate the lights for my landing nearly resulted in a catastrophe. It did not, thanks to the exact result recurrent training tends to instill, a prompt and appropriate response where zero time exists for any conscious problem-solving process. Pilots of every level are vulnerable to error. This incident is a humbling reminder that, in spite of my continued efforts, I am not immune. We pilots cannot escape this reality, but we can mitigate this risk by installing a proficiency program into our flight repertoire. If we practice the correct response, repetition is our friend. We can hone dull skills and update checklists, and if we're uncomfortable on our own, Our favorite CFI always loves to fly. Proficiency might very well save your life. The Never Again podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing never again into the search box. While you're there, check out FlyQ, AOPA's integrated flight planning software, as well as the many free online training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earle. Thanks for listening. Fly safely.